From VinePair's New York City headquarters, I'm Adam Teeter. And I'm Joanna Sherino. And in Seattle, Washington, I'm Zach Jabal. And this is the VinePair Podcast, Friday edition. Uh, so what have you guys been reading? Well, we had a big launch on the site this week. What was the launch? Our 50 Best Wines of 2023. Wow. Really wonderful list this year. Okay. Lots of wines from around the world. And and we have some com- like complimentary video footage from our tastings director, Keith Beavers, on our number one wine with more to come. With more to come. Over the coming weeks. I'm so, a personal fan of the number one wine. You guys have to read the list to find out yes, what that is. Yes. Um, so that was a really exciting launch for us this week. Our spirits will be coming up in the uh, next couple of weeks as well. But we have Thanksgiving first, of course. Yes. Um, also, what about- shout outs. The art on that package oh, is yes. absolutely A+. Plus. I told, I told art director Daniel Grinberg I need a poster of the main like art piece. I don't think she actually is going to make that happen, but you know, I'm just I'm just putting it out there. <laughs> it is a pretty cool it is a pretty it's cool really image. Yes, this is, Sarah designed that. Sarah yeah. and our team um really beautiful illustration uh for that package too. So that was a really exciting launch for us this week. Everyone should go and read it and get those wines and drink them right now. Sweet. Zach, what about you? You know, I was kind of in my in my wheelhouse this week with uh, John Sumner's piece about dry Dwarrow uh, wines, um, talking uh, about kind of the, you know, this this iconic region best known for producing port, but that's always had its other sort of side of dry, mostly red wines. But just given the kind of current landscape for sweet wines, dessert wines versus, you know, dry, sort of more full-bodied red wines, it's maybe not surprising that. Um, so much production in that region has started to orient itself around these uh, dry table wines. But, you know, good to kind of get a, a perspective on that and, and just a sense for kind of why why these wines remain compelling and why they are helping kind of keep that industry and that region afloat, even as, you know, interest in port is really slackened and, and doesn't have, you know, even things like, you know, where Sherry has a lot of viability if nothing else as a producer of barrels that people want to put whiskey in i mean there are some port finished whiskeys and stuff like that but it doesn't have the same market cachet as as sherry finished and so you know it's just uh it's just an interesting piece and a region that i actually one day hope to visit so just just a nice little nice little uh, kind of update on what's going on there how about you adam yeah we got some good feedback on that piece too. oh good yeah. yeah well i mean i would have said that i read a piece that someone cheated and uh told us about before it even published uh Especially since I'm the one that, you know... Did you like that piece? ...knew the author. That's <laughs> fine. Whatever. Yes, I, I, did, I did enjoy the piece. I thought it was really good. Uh, I also obviously always love to read about how there were RTDs a long time ago that we all forgot about, mm-hmm. right? And so I thought that the Gosling's Dark and Stormy uh, can cocktail history was really, really interesting and just sort of, again, goes to show you that like th- these things aren't original. Everything comes back. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe we try things a little bit too early, but... Uh, you know, there's 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 been things before people. You're not the you're not the first. <laughs> so uh, so I I thought that was a very uh, a very fun piece to read and just again a good memory, a good memory. That was uh, Jake Emman, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. So uh, another thing, just real, you know, that we've talked about a bunch on the on this podcast. We're about to hear a conversation about it. Is uh, wine and cannabis, and uh, I've heard a lot of people talk um, more recently about how cannabis, you know is the thing that seems to be stealing share from alcohol, especially amongst Gen Z, right? So there's a proportion of people uh, who 
are in Gen Z millennials that say they don't drink or drink very rarely, but they often don't. Uh, they're not 100% Tito Taylors. They, they don't. They're, they're not completely dry when it comes to substances. It's just they're replacing it with cannabis. Sure. Um, and so we wanted to have a conversation about that. Uh, so we uh, are going to have a conversation in a few minutes with Joanne Wilson, who is a prolific, actually, tech investor and just general investor, but has opened one of Manhattan's, New York City's uh, first legal cannabis retailers called Gotham mm-hmm. um, and sort of her take on where cannabis is headed in uh, this city as well as across the country. But, you know, before we jump into that conversation, do either of you sort of feel that that's accurate, that cannabis is really taking away some of alcohol's share? Yeah, I mean, I think that's definitely a factor in the, some of the drinking trends that we've seen with younger generations. I think that a, a part of it is that there's so much there's so much available out there now, but I, I definitely think that um, in the drink space specifically, but I definitely think that cannabis plays a big role in that. And we know that from people we know and uh, people on the team and stuff like that. But but um, I think a lot of the, you know, I've, I've certainly read reports about this too. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a some element of truth. I also think there's a little bit of, you know, kind of wanting to scapegoating from within the drinks industry for trends that may not really be connected. And one of the reasons is, you know, despite the fact that cannabis legalization is something that's relatively new, and depending on where in the country you are, obviously, it's a not legal in a lot of places. And even the places where it's legal, in most cases, hasn't been legal for super long. But I do think that there's a little bit of willful kind of self-deception going on here in the alcohol industry, because as we're all very aware, cannabis is something that people have been consuming even long before it was legal and in the pla- and continue to consume places where it is illegal in very high numbers. It's one of the main compelling arguments for legalization, frankly, is that making it illegal hasn't done anything to stop people from using it. So at some point, it becomes kind of preposterous. So to me, I don't know that necessarily the legalization piece itself, mm-hmm. like suddenly took people and they were like, oh, what is this strange new substance I've never heard of? Well, I should give it a try. And oh, I prefer this to alcohol. Now I will be a cannabis person. Like, right. that's not how it works for anyone. And and again, this isn't to dismiss that for some people, the illegal status made cannabis something they enjoyed less than they might have otherwise, or maybe even abstained from for fear of you know legal consequences, etc. That's obviously a real thing. I just don't think it's substantial enough to explain what has been going on with m- most of BevAlk over the last decade or so. Again, it's maybe one small part of a much larger trend, but to kind of be like, ah, every person who isn't drinking now is instead using marijuana is like kind of a silly argument to make. Uh, and I think that is, again, it's a way of sort of scapegoating an outside force for things that are in many cases have more to do with either things that the alcohol industry has done poorly or just things mm-hmm. that has not been prepared for. And one of those things might have been alcohol, uh, marijuana legalization in some cases. I don't know. But I, again, no one at this point should be surprised by its continued you know, success in you know, ballot measures and you know, uh, growing legalization across the country in various states. Like, you, know, you don't have an excuse if you're in BevAlk to be surprised mm-hmm. by this at this point. Agreed. I just I last thing here before we get to yeah. the, the chat, like I just think that <clears throat> because of legalization, more people have made cannabis like their lifestyle. I think that's you know, true. Like they're more open about it and about smoking and um, in a way that maybe we haven't seen as much and that or hasn't been as visible in the past. 
And I think because we're speaking about a younger generation that is very, very online and very social media forward, that it seems much more visible now. I think there's also the the quote unquote health part of this halo, conversation, yeah. right? Like uh, everyone likes to say that the younger generation is more health obsessed and they care, you know, care about these things and feel that, you know, smoking um, or whatever cannabis is healthier than drinking copious amounts of alcohol. But there have been studies that have shown people are still binge drinking and college aged kids are still drink like they're Borgen, dude. They're Borgen. Yeah. So I think it's I think it's really interesting. I think actually the point about the lifestyle is a good one, but I think it's a specific kind of lifestyle because there obviously was a marijuana adjacent lifestyle for, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ge- for stoner, generations. The stoner, right? Yeah, yeah, well, be they hippies, stoners, <clears throat> you know, et cetera, right? But now there's a whole nother one, which I think is actually something that, that comes up in the conversation to some extent, which is a sort of sophisticated, like, yeah, I you I use marijuana as my intoxicant of choice, but it's not like I'm not out here with a bong uh, yeah. and, you know, listening to, you know, talking about free love or anything is sort of, already pre long since outdated stereotype, but one that persisted. Yeah. Like, I think that that's a big part of it. And, and, but you know, that's not to say that that to me is it, sort of not relevant to the conversation for alcohol because alcohol too has seen a transformation of the sort of lifestyle impression it gives off in certain categories. And we need look no further than spirits where, you know, drinking spirits in various forms has again become something that is signaled as cool and sophisticated when I think when I was younger and for you guys too and and for a while it was like the sign of degeneracy in a lot of ways like someone who told you they just their drink of choice was whiskey neat you were like that what's wrong with that person like that person is an alcoholic and now (laughs) it's like oh that person is super cool like look at their crazy collection of you know overproof bottles right so three weeks in a row talking about the overproof oh gotta Uh, bring it back (laughs) Cool. Well, let's let's check out this conversation that myself and our tasting director, Keith Beavers, you'll know why he was included on this conversation soon enough, uh, have, have with uh, Gotham founder and owner, Joanne Wilson. Joining us today on the Vine Pit Podcast, we have Joanne Wilson, uh, Gotham gal, investor in many amazing things including us uh, but 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 also uh proprietor of gotham in manhattan so we'll get into that in a second and then our tastings director keith beavers who has probably been the biggest i don't think there's anything you love more than wine than weed right like you love weed a little more than wine yep Okay, cool. So we're going to talk about that as well. I'm with you. I mean, like, you know, I've been getting stoned pretty much every day since eighth grade. Although, when I got pregnant, I stopped for that time period. Yeah. See, I didn't didn't get, I'm good. I kept on going. Yeah, yeah, you know, you were lucky. (laughs) So, so, Joanne, uh, tell us a little bit about Gotham. So, uh, you obviously have been, someone's been passionate about the cannabis space for a very long time, but now you also are a proprietor in the space. Yeah. I mean, what a crazy fucking business <laughs> i mean say more you know i mean oh my god but no so i during covid you know i mean i was actually stopped investing prior to covid i was like what am i gonna do next when i grow up in my life and then you know i was like oh my god all my favorite stores are closing the whole city's a disaster yeah. so i was like you know what i've always wanted to open this like concept shop and i was like i don't know i'm like too old for this crap my son is like oh it could be like you know you know, a, a, like a, a pet project. And I was like, oh, well, if I look at it that way, I'll maybe change. And then Frank and Frank from Frankie's called me and they're like, hey, Joanne, do you know about this weed situation? <laughs> and I mean, those guys are two major stoners. And I was like, 
what's the story? And they're like, you're going to be able to get these licenses, blah, blah. And I said, well, let me look into it. And, you know, we come out of the tech space. So it's not like you call or email a lawyer and you want to wait four weeks. Right. Like, I want to know within 24 hours what's the story. <laughs> so I kept hounding these people. And finally, like, who are you? <laughs> and so they gave me the whole drill. And he's like, we're having this 420 party tomorrow. You want to go? And I went. And I was like, hmm. I was like, you know what? I'm going to do this. I'm going to create this amazing, like, concept store and and make everyone have a different narrative around cannabis versus these, like, transactional, like, packies. And um, I'm going to put weed with, like, a cool store. And that was that. It is a very cool store. It's a very cool store. So that she has, like, incredible glassware, blankets, clothes, pottery. So it's basically like you're, you're walking into a super cool just – boutique home you know you, you want to see like what the coolest people are wearing kind of store in manhattan and then there's also in the back weed perfect <laughs> it's really perfect it sounds perfect yeah and really cool bongs and all that stuff so all, all the <laughs> not, yeah all the like can adjacent stuff yeah but then also like you know the cool stuff right so now having had the store for how, how long has it been open we really opened full-time June 1st. I'm okay. going to say that's our time because we opened mid-May, but it was like on and off because we we're still under construction. <laughs> so four mo- So now four months. Four months. How, how many of your customers would you say are cannabis-only consuming people? And then how many of them are people who are probably consuming cannabis and also alcohol? That's a great question. I think everyone is still a mixed blend. Mm-hmm. I'm finding that more people are like very into the gummy situation. Interesting. So they don't get like completely like drinking a bottle of wine at night. So like I have these two friends we're going to Ireland with. They drink heavily. And they're like, we need to learn how to not drink as much. <laughs> and I was like, the gummies. Oh I was like, God. you know what? I can bring all these gummies with us and we'll sl- I'll teach you over a period of 10 days how you just, you know, we'll start low and then we'll start higher. And then, like, when I take a gummy, like one martini, even though I do like the whole concept of drinking, yeah, I'm good. You're good, right. Because you're like, you have the... The brain chemistry altered, but mm-hmm. you're not continuing yeah. to go. He's like, I have a great attitude adjustment happening. Do you feel like that <laughs> happens to you? As because you, I mean, you've basically Keith, you've sold wine and been a wine professional your entire adult life, mm-hmm. and consumed weed since, as you said, you were how old? I guess about the same eighth grade, grade. Yeah. Like eighth around grade. ninth. Did eighth you grade. do you find when you're high, you will consume less alcohol? Yes. Well, I mean, I was a kid. I mean, when you're stupid in your 20s, you do all the things. You you mix it all and hope that it hope for the best. <laughs> but um, you know, as I got older, weed is such an amazing drug. It's an amazing plant. It's such an amazing experience. I don't often like to taint it with alcohol. Interesting. And, um, Fascinating. So I I. I'm the I am the kind of weed smoker I like the strongest indica available. You know, we can talk about terpenes and stuff like that, but like I love heavy, heavy weed that really kind of like gets me low and on the couch and, and, and enjoying myself. Yeah, into bed. Yeah, that's really into like. bed. <laughs> I also am a very big fan of science fiction and stuff like that on TV, so mm-hmm. I find that it enhances my experience watching those those movies and shows. And I think that alcohol sometimes dulls my high which i don't appreciate but i have done the thing where you smoke a joint and you have a bottle of wine but the thing that i always did is i made sure that the bottle of wine i was drinking was very special and very expensive and something that would open up over time 
and I have a very specific memory of a very good friend of mine who I hadn't seen in a very, very long time. We smoked a joint together, and he wanted, he's like, you're the wine guy. Let's drink some wine. So I was like, um. So I popped a really nice bottle of Brunelli Montalcino. It was a Soldera. Yeah. It was, and we sat with that wine after the big fat, I mean, the guy, dude rolled a big, a nice one. So we, we were lit. Yeah, we were like, Durr. but just reminiscing, catching up over a, over a bottle of wine that evolves and opens up with oxygen, like that's meant to do so. It was awesome. And as the high kind of like the high and the wine kind of like figured each other out and it was mm-hmm. just kind of a nice vibe because of the steadiness of our sipping, I Got guess it. you could say. And that kind of like really went with it. But I really like when I go home at night, weed is my chamomile tea. Me it's too. my, you know, I really? don't I don't drink when I go home. I don't really drink at home. I drink when we have people over. My wife and I will sometimes have a glass of wine from the Corvin at dinner, but like I'm I'm doing like I'm in my concentrate era right now, so I'm doing a lot of dabs oh, with I love like dabs. wax and yeah, batter I'm and very sugar. Into that too. You guys are going to have to explain what dabs I are. I try it all. It's like it's like, you know, it's like did you ever do hash under a glass? No. Oh, you're missing out. Okay. But, you know, oh, look, he's so got the this, dab. Yeah. This is, these, yeah. these, are, these are my oils. Yeah. See, I like the little one in the pipe and it heats up and I really like that. But I will say my tolerance level is so fucking high that um, – and my kids used to be stoners in high school and now they don't really get as stoned as often. And whenever we're somewhere with the kids and people are partying and I'm like, oh, no, no, you should try this. And I'm always, always like – don't trust my mom. <laughs> You're going to get so stoned. You're not going to know what hit you. Yeah, the levels of so concentrate is, is high. I mean, concentrate is, um, there's something called live <laughs> resin where they actually take the, the stalk of the, of the marijuana plant and they flash freeze it. And then they crack it open, and scrape out the the all the THC that was inside the plant that was not made into the, that was not it's, given it's to the like flower. It's like bone marrow. It's like bone marrow. <laughs> it's weed bone marrow. Yeah, and it's highly. It. We're talking like if a if a flower flower is like twenty to twenty nine percent THC. These and the shatter and the batter and all that stuff and the dab rig. I have an amazing dab rig. I love it so much. I do, I do cold starts. I don't do hot starts. I'm just I'm just oh my new God, thing. I'm you doing. are like seriously deep. Yeah, okay. I, I, I don't, told I don't you. Know, when, they, when they ask me you. like which when people say which products do you like, I was like I, any and all of them. <laughs> <laughs> They're all fun. They're all no, they're fun. all fun. They're, they're all, all fun. fun. You go through phases. You do a bong phase. You go through a flower phase. You go through a joint phase, and you go through an oil phase, and you go through a dab phase. I still like the joint. Like love the joint. You know, there's just something about that physicality. Yeah. Of like and sharing you know, with people. and sharing with other yeah. people. Yeah. It's like some people will come. In, this one really crazy dude came in the store telling me about his weed and like it's really they've been making it since the 80s and this whole thing and they haven't gotten the license yet but I should try. He brought me two ounces two ounces <laughs> he handed me two ounces I'm like oh my god I'm, I'm set for 40 years yeah you're good <laughs> thank you so much it's a lot of joints <laughs> and like you know but that's a one hitter situation yeah right yeah yeah, yeah. Well, I mean live resin can have up to 80% whereas a joint will have 29 so these well, so are then it makes it more session so a joint's basically the sessionable it really is you know and the thing is like we don't understand yet because the because we haven't federal it's all state legalizations and if we can get some sort of federal regulation that means we can study it federally that means we can actually understand marijuana more than we ever have before like this whole sativa indica thing is what we've been doing for the longest time but it's only because of those two different plant the two different plants of the same Species. Yeah, I mean, we can go back in time. The narrative is just some complete lies. And if you go to Israel, they've been doing it forever. They never stopped. You can go into a store there and they'll say, what do you have? And it's like, well, I have, you know, 
you know, colon cancer. And they're mm-hmm. like, come over here. These are the products for you. I mean, they have never stopped. We have stopped all this. Do you know that the hemp plant, if you plant it in like an area that's been ridden with like oil that's stripped yeah. into the ground, that plant literally pulls it out of the ground and can clean up areas. I mean, there's so much about this plant that nobody knows. I think that hemp plant the weed plant is the panacea that we don't even realize Agreed. get rid of all that freaking pharma and also i mean alcohol is great but seriously no one like you don't find anyone in high school who's gotten so stoned that their eyes roll back in the head and you have to call an ambulance to get that's their true. never not even that's with true. eating it i mean people eat a lot sometimes you know edibles before regulation was a little bit rough because like dude i made some gummies like okay but how much weed you put in there man because you take totally. one gummy like I can see the sun, <laughs> you know. But you know nowadays, like my wife and I have these little—they're called Boost. They're these amazing little pills, and you pop them. They're five milligrams at a time, and they pop—they kick in about thirty minutes, and you're just coasting. You're good. You're I you're, love you're that. golden. You know, it's 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 wonderful. And the thing is, like, there was I guess Maureen Dowd did an article years ago in whatever publication she writes in about her taking too many. <laughs> yeah, the New York Times. times about taking too many of, of oh, yeah, edibles, really and she funny. was in her room forever and didn't want to get out. And the, that kind of stuff actually that shit worked. That shit happens. It but happens. like, you're gonna wake up and you're gonna come back. You're, 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 you're not, not gonna die. You're not gonna yeah. die. You're not gonna go to the hospital or anything like that. And oh like, my I, god, totally. So this is a funny story. So my mom, way back in the day, I mean, this is when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. So she was invited to this party. She was in the ad space. And when they get there, her and her, uh, I guess they were married at that point. Like, these brownies are pop brownies. Just watch out, right? So he ate a bunch of these brownies, like thinking, I'm a big man. And he was a big man. So they leave the party and they brought some with them, like thinking, oh, we'll eat them later. Mm-hmm. They go to a bar and all of a sudden he's like, holy shit. <laughs> and he's like, I got to go home. So they get in the car. They go home, lived in D.C. area. They get on the highway. And all of a sudden, he's like, I'm having a heart attack. <laughs> so they pull over. And my mom is like tiny. And he's huge. So don't move. You know, they crawl over each other. Drive to the hospital. They get to the hospital. Young intern comes out. And he says to him, listen, this is what happened. I'm not a pot smoker, blah, 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 blah. And he looks at him and he hits him on the shoulder. Well, you are now, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. You're having an anxiety attack. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'll happen. So, getting back to wine and weed, yeah, um, there are a lot of similarities between the two. Yes, mm-hmm. in terms of what, but aroma, flavor, where they're where it's grown. I mean, yeah. how how much totally. is is cannabis impacted by its place in the same way that we as the grapes are? Well, I think it's more about indoor outdoor. Okay. You know, more than anything else. And the strain of the particular seed. Um, you know, I mean, this is a big thing in New York. So you can only grow a certain percentage outdoor if you have indoor. You can only – same for indoor and outdoor. Interesting. Someone has spoken to Hochul and got her, like, obsessed with electric and energy, which is why she doesn't like the whole crypto space. But – the reality is, is that really good indoor grown is great. And there are some really great farmers in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, they haven't had a chance to do it multiple times because the state promised these farmers there'd be 400 some odd dispensaries that are legal in New York State. And there's only like 28. And so they're dying because they don't know where to put all this weed. 
and that is and the they big can't problem. Sell anywhere else. And they can't sell anywhere else. I mean, of course they're dumping it somewhere. You know, everyone has to. Um, and and they're dumping it in California here. I mean, it's a big, big mess. As far as like when it comes to like terroir and that kind of stuff, the thing about indoor outdoor is very important because you know what the whole idea was originally like was just plant weed everywhere it's going to grow in the soils that that you know if you think about mendocino or places in california that have been growing weed for quite some time that also have vines you'd think that the vines would be growing the weed could be growing in the in 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 the same soil because weed can grow anywhere and it would you know have the similarities of what a vine does but it's different because the terpenes which is the big deal in weed they exist on the flower so when you, it's like when you take some rosemary and you rub it between your fingers, you can yeah. smell rosemary on your hands. That's what that is. The terpenes of a grape are in the carbohydrates of the grape protected by the skin that only release upon crushing. So the pre, so when you, we say primary aromas in wine, we're saying these are the aromas that are already existing in the variety that when it goes through its fermentation process, before any oak or anything has been exposed to the wine, those fruity aromas that you smell, usually in young wine, white wine, steel-aged steel aged mm-hmm. wines, you're getting kind of what the weed gives you when you're smelling a, a bud. So that's the terp. The terp- and these are the things that attract pollination and it's stuff like that. It's also the blending, right? So there's like certain like – OG Kush, right? Or there's there's certain blends that are known, but it just depends on, like you go to farms, like oh this is a special purple pan, and then we've high you know connected it with this plant, we've created this, and so everyone has their own sort of strain strains exactly. Okay. Yeah, and it's kind of like you can you know when you have rootstock, you graft rootstock that doesn't affect the American rootstock does not affect the Vitis vinifera grape that's growing on that mm-hmm. vine. But when you do it, when you cross weed, I mean, the same thing with doing hybrids, I guess, for French, like back in the day when they were American French hybrids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like that. But the thing is, weed is so unregulated. It's been, we've had a weed prohibition forever. And we had alcohol prohibition for a decade, but the weed prohibition has been ongoing and we're still kind of, we're getting out of it now. But because of that lawless, sort of chaotic underground culture, there's been no organization with these crossing the strains. So it's very, people are just like crossing shit, man. Like, yeah, man, this is, and they're naming it like Purple Pan and stuff like that because they smell it and they smell these terpenes and they're like, oh, well, this smells like pineapple. Okay, so it's called Pineapple Kush. Exactly. It's, from, it's Indica from the Kush Mountains, so it's Pineapple Kush. Like, that's that's all we have right now. So when you go to a, a, a dispensary, you know, and you're like, I'm going to have like, this is, I have one of these, one of these concentrates called Kong. Okay. <laughs> totally. What's in there? I have no idea. Yeah. But the other thing is that this has been illegal for so long. And mm-hmm. before that, before it, it was legal mm-hmm. and used for medicinal purposes. Yep. I mean, you know, Americans love sins. They love gambling, sex, and alcohol. And weed goes under like that. And for some reason, we want to pretend we don't. But they're taking an industry that's been illegal since, I don't know, the 1930s, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and now they're legalizing it. But no one has stopped using it. So that's when you see when these states come online, it's not like everyone woke up that morning and said, ooh, it's legal. Let's all go out and buy it. It's like, oh, my God, now we can get it legally. The state is actually making sure there's not shit in it. And then the state is like, woohoo, we did $10 million yeah. last week. It's <laughs> so much money. What, what do you think, what do you make of this 
controversy or conflict that some people try to create between marijuana and alcohol or marijuana and wine, especially I feel like in the craft beer space for a while, as marijuana was becoming more and more legalized, they're like, it's going to steal our market share. We don't want cannabis. And there was all this fear. I feel like that was all kind of bullshit, to be honest, that it wasn't doing that, that people were still doing both. Or do you think that's that's real? Well, I've talked to the people at Live Nation, mm-hmm. and I've talked to the people at Rock the Bells. Um, although Rock the Bells tends to scale older in audiences, yeah. Live Nation will tell you that beer consumption is way down at all of their concerts for the youth. Interesting. They gummy and they smoke. So it's generational, maybe. Um, they're not drinking as much. And yeah. I can see that with younger kids that I know. Mm-hmm. They don't drink like they did, like I drank. Um, they would rather get stoned or have a gummy. Because they're coming up in a generation where it's actually legal. You imagine that? Right. Like, you're, like I used to go – I'm from the, from the DMV, from D.C., Maryland, Virginia area. And oh. every year we used to go downtown to the mall down on D.C., and we would protest the legal, illegalization of, of marijuana. It's called the smoke out or something like that. And we'd go every year in the 90s, and we'd we'd party. You know, the cops couldn't do anything to us because there were so many of us. They just kind of watched us get high and, and, and just get mad and then get high and then dance. But <laughs> um, I, I remember the last time we did it because we just stopped doing it after a while. Just like, this is boring. And then I'm like, you know what, man? This is what are we what are we even doing? This is never going to be legal. Why are we even doing this? I'm so frustrated. It's just a plant. Rah! And then all of a sudden, here I am, 48 years old. And I'm walking into an Apple store-like place and buying some of the best weed I've had in my entire life. It's amazing. The kids are growing up with legal marijuana. Yeah. And I think that that's kind of this thing that we didn't have growing up. And alcohol was our one rebellious thing. It's the one thing that we did. You know, weed was there, but it's like it wasn't as accessible as alcohol. And now weed is beyond accessible totally and i wonder if that's a factor in you know this newer generation going i could just smoke some weed maybe i mean i just think it's a better product i mean don't get me wrong i love a glass of wine i really love my martini i love my tequila drink on occasion but getting stoned every day like i'll come home and i'll hit you know a one hitter or smoke a joint I won't drink. Right. Interesting. You know, I just and and also I think people feel better. You know, and there's something about certain weeds. You're like, oh my god, I'm going to clean my house this morning. Mm-hmm. I'm going to eat one of those edibles, and I'm going <laughs> to be like so productive, right? Mm-hmm. And you can do that with these products. Or like, right. I just need to have a super chill day, or you know, whatever you choose to do. Each one of them has different purposes. There's a great meme online where it has a guy waking up in the middle in the morning, like looking all refreshed. He's like, my friends went out last night and drank. All night yes. long, I woke up with a weed hangover. I'm gonna go do something now. Right. Like, just like that's the thing about weed is like there is no hangover. There's it's nothing. nothing. You wake up the next morning, you're just you're you fine again. Your throat might hurt a little, you know, if you yeah. smoke too much, but yeah. otherwise, that's it. Yeah, bong rips, bro. That kind of tear you up. Do you think though there is something to weeds influence on wine in a positive way? Weeds influence on wine. Like if I'm high. Are there things that I would notice in wine that I wouldn't normally notice if I wasn't high? Maybe. I mean, I do think that weed definitely heightens your senses. I don't think alcohol necessarily heightens your senses. Mm -hmm. But I do think that weed heightens your 
olfactory and what you see, what you notice, creativity, you know, creativity. Um, and listen, we're going to go down the pipeline of all these psilocybins, you Ooh. know, and that's a whole other situation that, Galaxy uh, you know, itself. I think totally. And so there's something really refreshing about all of this that more people should be aware. Like I saw like the whole thing's going on. I read these two Republicans in one in Iowa and like one in like Montana, mm-hmm. right, where there's like three people and they're like, hey, you know what? We shouldn't pass these legal laws on marijuana. We should we're going to we're going to create a bill anti this because more people end up in the hospital or in car accidents. And it's just like, yo, you don't think that's happening anyhow? Like isn't it better that the state is monitoring what is going in our bodies? And I also think the state will do more research on what it is you're smoking, you know, if it's called pineapple, whatever, or, right. you know, Kush, it's like they're going to want to know, not today, but in a couple of years, what is exactly in that product that you're buying. They're going to get down to, you know, very simple things that you're going to be able to see on the back and see, oh, it's this percentage, this percentage, this percentage, and that's And that's going to be exciting because the thing is, like, when you, when you ask, like, do you think weed enhances your senses for wine – I mean, we don't like we don't know until we do a lot of this research. There could be certain strains that allow us to do so. I think what weed does for wine and aromas, like you enjoying wine while on weed, I don't know that. I mean, it heightens your 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 perceptions of things. But mm-hmm. I think what it also does, I have I have incredible ADD and I have crazy dyslexia and. Weed just calms me down in all sorts of ways and mm-hmm. makes my life so much easier to live. Do you use it to sleep? Absolutely. CB- I, CBNs? What? CBNs? Mm-hmm. To sleep? No, I just go THC all the time. Got it. Well, THC, CBN. Oh, okay. I, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, well, I just, yeah. I need, I need, I need the, the I need the, um, the psychoactive stuff. Mm-hmm. But what I think, what I think weed does while enjoying wine is not only does it heighten your senses, but mentioning the ADD, weed helps you focus on a thing. So if you have wine in a glass and you're high and you take that glass to your nose, that's what you're doing. You're not thinking about the music in the air. You're not thinking about the conversation, but you're high and you and this wine are now just hanging out. I think that's what weed does. It does help you focus on stuff like that. And with your senses being heightened, I think it does actually help. Yeah. I mean, listen, we can come back, you know, and do this again, and we could just start drinking, getting stoned, and seeing what happens. So when's that? (laughs) (laughs) Do you guys want to open the calendars? (laughs) So on the business side, what is happening right now in New York with legalization and all of – I mean, so there's three dispensaries – Within walking distance. Yes, those are all illegal. They're all illegal, right? Yeah, like CBD. They're all illegal. I wouldn't touch them. Are they actually weed? Yes, they are weed. Where it's from, I have no clue. I mean, it could be Oklahoma. It could be California. It could be some shithole farm, you know, in New Jersey. They could have brought it up to a big place in, uh, supposedly there's like some place on the Upper West Side. People go and they, you know, pick up their weed in the morning and put it into things. Like, you don't know where that shit is coming from. And at this point, like, I was talking to someone who works for us. And she was like, you know, I was at a party and someone passed me a joint. And I was like, where is that from? And they're like, oh, we just got it at the dispensary down the street. She goes, I am not touching that mm-hmm. shit. So 
where the PSAs are from the government, I have no idea. Because right. eventually some kid is going to get sick and something's going to happen in one of these stores and then everyone's going to wake up. That's what I fear is going to happen. Mm-hmm. So what's happening in the business side is that there's only you know over 25 plus stores that are legal. Mm-hmm. The OCM, which is the Office of Cannabis Management, had this wonderful concept, which is we're going to do it different than every state. We're going to give licenses to either organizations that have partnered with someone that are nonprofits that are making a major impact, people have been affected by the war on drugs, or we're going to give it to someone who's been incarcerated and you have to fig, you know, hit these covenants in regards to like we think you're going to be a good business person. Mm-hmm. Great. Amazing. They gave out hundreds of those. Here's the problem. None of them opened. Why? Because they have no money. So if the state had a brain, they would have taken $500 million put it into a fund with a group of advisors and they would give money to every person that got that $2 million each, put an advisor with them, no you know, percentage on this, just purely you pay us back what you got and we will take 1% of your business for life. Mm-hmm. You know what would have happened? Brilliant. State would have made a fucking fortune. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And all these people would have been in business. Instead, no one opened, everyone got angry, then the veterans sued. Then other people sued. And so now, starting in early October, they're going to open up the dispensary, the process again to apply for a dispensary license. Mm-hmm. They're making it very difficult for anyone to get it, um, you know, to get new ones because they want to still help those people that tried. Uh-huh. Okay. But what's going to happen is at the end of this year, on the 31st of December, all of the um, uh, multi-state operators are allowed to apply because they push them off for so long and they each play between 5 and $10 million for this opportunity. And so many of them are already medical. They want to change to consumer. I don't know how many stores they're allowed to get. I think they should each get one and that's it for another two years or something like that. But they have tons of capital and they've got shitty product and shitty branding. And so – with all these good faith things that New York State did, they're going to end up where they never wanted to end up was, which is instead of mom and pop businesses owning one to three licenses, mm-hmm. like myself, which I hope we're going to apply and get two more, is that we're going to end up with the multi-state operators or big money in this is thing. Is that like the med men and stuff like that? Correct. Although they all went down a hole because those guys were just bad guys. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, and there's a lot of that going on. So – you know, it, it, it's been a sh- it's been a shitstorm, and then so what the state did for these farmers who got so hosed is they created this thing um, in all of their intellect called the growers market. So we can have now growers markets like pop ups anywhere in the state where they have said it's okay, and if it's a city, you have to get a mayor to write a it's an okay thing. And you would bring in three farmers per dispensary or 40 farmers per dispensary, right? Which is great for the farmers because, like, I feel for these people. So we're doing a bunch of pop-ups and we're doing this. But, like, it's not like an easy flip. It's like you got to find the space. you got to get the POS. you got to hire the people. You want to be consistent on brand. I mean, you know, it's it's not easy. And this is – so you have a pop-up where – it's just three different farmers and their products at your pop-up. Right. That's it. So we're going to do one up in Hudson, New York. There's this beautiful farm um, church 
across the street from the farmer's market. Okay. We're going to do it Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I think we're going to open in two weeks. We had to put in for the license. That's a whole other ordeal. Okay. Then you get approved. We're going to bring in tons of farmers because we want to help them up there. We're going to also do one down at Oculus um, in a store called Canvas. I'm talking to Grand Central now. And we're also going to do one possibly in White Plains. There's like a huge target up there and there's a store next door they want us to do it in. And so, listen, I want to do it because, A, it's great for revenue. Yeah. B, is it's also great for the farmers. But we're being killed by all these illegal stores. And as far as I'm concerned, the state's doing jack shit. I mean, you've got Empire, who's literally a chain. And so I hired an SEO person to get rid of them on Google. Right. Yeah, in New Jersey, it's interesting because in New Jersey (laughs) – there was, I mean, we now have 13 dispensaries. I live over over the river now. Okay. Um, so we have like, there's 13 dispensaries in the entire state, I believe. And the majority of them are owned by the Canadian companies, Ascend mm-hmm. and another one I can't remember. They're multi-state operators. Yeah. Right, right, right. So that's what, we've, that's what we've got now. And there still has not, I wonder if it's the same situation because there still is not... Um, any small mom and pops out there, yeah. but there was there were delivery services for a long time, and delivery services are still kind of like. But how happening. come New Jersey hasn't had the same issue that New York has? Where are all just the illegal stores? How does New York have so many illegal stores? Because it's an urban area, and it's and always so been illegal. Just like, come and basically shut me down is is what they're all saying. Yeah, because you can't go to jail anymore, right? So what? How do you? What do you go after? You go after the landlord, right? And like, you know, I was talking to Deborah Glick, and she's like. Yes, we're going to find the landlord's $10,000. Like, $10,000? They make $10,000 in 10 minutes. Right. How about finding them a million bucks a day? Right. Guess what? Then you'd get rid of this shit, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, let's, you know, I'm a liberal too, but like, get off of it. Yeah. And then the other thing is, is that they're going to go after these people for taxes. So that's what they're going to end up going after Empire from, right? They're going to look at them. It's like, you know, LANS, right? Or, you know, who did they. he went after um, Capone, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. That's how they got him on taxes. That's where they're going to get them because the tax situation is killing us. So, like, my son came to the store with me and he's like, well, wait a second. Why are you selling an eighth for $56? Like, I can buy it down the street for, like, 35 bucks. Yeah. I was right. like, that's called taxes. Yep. And that's also called someone actually knows what you're putting in your body exactly. is okay. I'll spend the money. So I'll will spend I. the money. I, I, you know, I love... It's just you don't you just cannot compare. I mean, the thing the thing is about this is like we spent years buying shitty weed. What are we still doing that for? I don't like know. it's like I I will pay the tax to have highly curated, wonderfully grown, stank ass weed. I'm with you. You know that's that's my shit. I'm like I am no longer of the black market. I just, just, just no need for it anymore. No, there's no need for it anymore. And, and, I, so, and I know when okay. you're coming up in New yeah. York, you're you're struggling in New York. You're trying to spend, you know, rent is expensive, an expensive city to be in. But man, like the quality. Also, you don't. The thing is, when weed is that good, you smoke it slower. You don't burn through a bunch of weed. I agree, but everyone's like, "Oh my God, weed's so much stronger." Then take a it's like bit. then don't smoke as much. Yeah, just don't I smoke mean, as seriously. much. Seriously, a little bit at a time, <laughs> right. baby steps. You know, it's like you know you don't you don't have to like blaze it out. But if you if you're used to blazing it out like I was when it was legal, as I went and got my first round of flour at the dispensary, it was a really big day. I bought this hat. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, we, we all know the hat. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I got my bong out. I just got, you haven't, you haven't done a bong hit in a long time. I just ripped a bong hit. I'm like, I'm so fucking high. <laughs> I'm like, I loved it. 
but like I realized how I had put too much in that bowl because mm-hmm. I didn't need all that. Right. So then literally it worked. The next time I packed that bowl, I packed just a little bit and I just smoked a little bit and I'm like, this is great. And it's clean. And it lasts a long time and it's clean. It's, it's the way to do it. I'll, give me, I'll, I'll pay the tax. So will all I. Right. And by the way, New York State needs the taxes. Yes. <laughs> right. I mean, seriously, you know, how are we going to bu- bro- build that thing in fucking Buffalo, the new arena? You need the taxes. Yeah, with the right? tunnel in Jersey. Right. I mean, listen, I'm involved with the New York City public housing. Like, why aren't we building beautiful playgrounds for these places? It changes the entire scope of neighborhoods. Where's the money? It's taxes. This is going to be the largest business that this country has seen in a long fucking time. They just changed the numbers today. In 2026, mm-hmm. it's going to be a $50 billion a year business for this country. That's crazy. That's crazy. It's crazy. That's infrastructure right there. So one more question for you before I let you go. It's just about generally about investing. So there have been a few funds in Silicon Valley. You and I feel very similar about that part of the country. Yes, you do. Um, <laughs> that uh, <clears throat> that has decided that they are only going to invest in founders, I'm not sure if you saw this, that do not drink or do drugs. Really? Good luck to you. (laughs) Good luck to you. Those people are all fucking doing microdosing all day. Yeah, they're psilocybin And and how are they going to figure that one out? I don't know. It's like a fund that a few prominent VCs say they want to start where – it's all people who are taking care of themselves and following like the Peter Atya and you know model, et cetera. And you know what? I wouldn't want to hang out with those. <laughs> no, <laughs> boring as How hell. How super duper boring? Wait, we're oh going to go hiking and we're not going to have weed? No, yeah. <laughs> I mean attitude adjustment is a very, very important thing. I agree. Oh my mm-hmm. god, that is crazy. No but you know what's going to happen when this thing happens on Thursday? Like, no LPs want to go in this market. It's only family funds, right? Some private equity. At the end of the day, once it's legal federally, you're going to see a slew of money coming to this. And I have very mixed feelings on that. But if that's how the VCs feel, then, you know, maybe I don't need to worry. (laughs) 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 Awesome. Thank you for chatting with us. Oh, my God. Thanks for having me. This is so fun. Thanks so much for listening to the Vine Pair Podcast, the flagship podcast of the Vine Pair Podcast Network. If you love listening to this show, or even if you don't, but I really hope that you do, as much as we really do love making it, then please drop us a review or a rating wherever it is that you get your podcast, whether that be iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere. If you are listening to this on a device right now through an app, however you got this audio, please drop a review. It really helps everyone else discover the show. And now for some totally awesome credits. So the Vine Pair podcast is recorded in our New York City headquarters and in Seattle, Washington, in Zach Jabal's basement. It is recorded by Zach, mastered and produced by Zach. He loves all the credit. Keep giving it to him. Drop his name in the reviews. He's going to love hearing how much you love him. It is also recorded in New York City by our tastings director, Keith Beavers, who is the managing director of the entire Vine Pair podcast network. I'd also love to give a shout out to our editor-in-chief, Joanna Sherino, who joins us on every single podcast as our third and most important host. Thank you as well to the entire VinePair staff and everyone who's been involved in making VinePair as special as it's become. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week.